When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Zoopcast, episode 87. And once again, we are without Adam. Let's go. But this time, we have two awesome guests, both from Game Over Ottawa. We have Mods Goblocker and Charlie Arsenault. How are you doing, guys? Doing pretty good. Phenomenal. Love that. Love that. Let's, uh, <laughs> we, have, we have a segment today that we are going to dive directly into because we do not wish to talk Take about credit this for it, Louis. Specific. You created this. You thought about this. Yes. Take yes. credit. Uh, actually, actually, no. I can't take credit for this oh. because I was at the Detroit game when my dad just said, hey, this could be an interesting thing that you guys could do. So shout out to All my right. dad. Shout out to your dad. This idea. Yeah. Um, so we'll get right into it. Um, essentially, we have each picked for any single debate here. Let's say one of us has picked two different pace, early season paces, and we'll have a quick roundtable to see which one we all think is most sustainable between the two. So I guess I'll start here. We, both, we all have uh, some send stuff in there, some nonsense stuff, whatever. Um, and I'll start with mine. Um, so my two paces are uh, Greg over half a point per game versus Sandy leading the team D in points on the Sens. Which one do you guys think is more sustainable? That's tough. Louis, but mine has it as well. It's not the same, so I'm still going to use it, but that okay, does mean that I've put some, some thought into it, some looking into it. I was wondering I how many repeats we were going to get guys... on the sense stats. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was scared. <laughs> um, I can go ahead first. I feel like because I was looking at the Greg stuff, I have a decent idea. I'm going to say Greg keeps up over half a point per game. Where uh, like I'd say that's more likely or more sustainable than Sanderson staying number one in points, just because he has three goals. But don't really if he were to retake those shots that he scored on, I don't know that those all go in again. Like he got a little bit lucky on right. some of his goals. Um, Chikrin is only one point behind him. That's another thing. Um, Shabbat had a slow start. I mean, he's got three points, but you never know. I just think like. Especially with the chemistry of that Greg line, I don't see him coming. I mean, he's at five points in six games, so it's not like like it is obviously still super early. But I think he's like legit, so I think he could get forty points this year and get that half a point per game. I'd say that's more likely. Sounds good. I think those are pretty good reasons, but I was kind of leaning the other way. I'm kind of thinking Sanderson just because he's been so freaking good to start this season. Like, 
You're right that uh, Chikrin's right behind him in points, and it's probably going to be really close between the three of them, uh, including Shabbat as well. But just with how amazing Sanderson has started off, I feel like he can keep it going and and be. It'll be like probably neck and neck between the three of them, but I think he can edge out the other guys. And then with Ridley Greg, just uh, it all hinges on Pinto, I think, because as soon as Pinto does uh, yeah. re re-enter the lineup, he could uh, Ridley could be losing some ice time. So I think I'm going to pick Sanderson on this one. But who knows? With uh, Pinto might be out until like the very last minute. Maybe we'll sign him uh, November thirtieth or whatever. Yeah, exact, exact same answer as Mod. I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, with with the Pinto situation, and also just like Greg isn't getting any power play time as of now, really. And Sanderson's on the top unit. I think one's going to be a lot more sustainable than the other. So Sanderson as the top scoring defenseman has my vote. What if what if Greg not being on the power play means that if he does get put on it, he gets even more points? That's all I'm saying. That's true. But yeah, I That's, think the that other is thing fair too, that but... goes that brings it your guys' way is Sanderson. I think you could argue could get a, a minute or two more per game than what he's currently getting, with with Shabbat still getting the most. So I think that also might bode well for him getting an extra point or two throughout the season. Hmm. I guess you've been out. Yeah. That was a good uh, good good prompt. Depending on what Louis. Depending on what Louis thinks. Yes. Yeah, I oh, I I was scared because like when I pick these, it's like maybe I think they're close, but general consensus they're not, right? Like you'll see with my my next one is wild, and I don't really know how it was, but uh, yeah, I think like because currently Greg's got five and six, I believe. Um, yeah, he's got five and six, and his on ice shooting percentage is really high, even though his uh, individual isn't as much. I do think Sandy is maybe a little more sustainable. Um, so I my vote will go to Sanderson there, but it's it's close for me, yeah. Do uh do any of you want to go next for your like, next pick? His his on ice I I'll just rebuttal it, Louis, one last thing. He says on ice is high. It's yeah. definitely it definitely is high, but he's also at five points in six games. So even if he only had, you know, sixty percent of the points he has, he'd still be on half a point per game. Yeah. But yeah, no, but it is close. I think both could happen, or neither. I, I do think like, Pinto it's, it's is a big still... is a big factor, right? But this yeah, that's also true. accounts for him if he gets injured. It doesn't matter because it's it's over half a point per game, right? It's not yeah, a specific that's true. Thing. Mm-hmm. So it's close. I agree. Josh, do you wanna do you wanna go next with yours? Next, yeah, I can go. My first, one, my second one is actual stats, numbers based. My first one is sends but nothing to do with stats. Actually, I guess you could argue that it has to do with stats, but really. So what is more sustainable long-term? Pierre Dorian's tenure as GM, and he vouched for DJ Smith in the offseason, everything, or DJ Smith's tenure as the coach, given that they're playing 500. You know, maybe you can argue they maybe should have deserved to win the last couple of games. It could be better, but... They're playing 500, and usually the coach is the first to go. So, what's more sustainable? Like, which one is more likely to stay mm-hmm. with the team longer? That's tough. Yeah, like I, if I were to say, I think Pierre probably is more sustainable, just because um, I just if if I see a firing coming, it's either it's either both of them or it's like DJ out first, just in my mind. Um, so I do think DJ going out earlier would be more 
more likely, especially if they like lose a lot more games because then the performance-oriented stuff is going to fall more on the coach, I believe. Uh, so that's where I'm going to go. But I, I do think it's it, it's close because this is an interesting one. It's As you said, it's not really stats-based, but it's it's still a sustainability question. That's tough. Um, I'm still thinking on my answer. It's a tricky I think, one. I think, yeah, I, I think it's very likely they both get canned at the exact same time. But it's I definitely think between the two of them, if one were to go first, it, it's probably more likely that it's DJ. I think Pierre might try and fire him to, uh, you know, maybe give himself a little bit more time in his job, um, even if it's just a little bit of time. And maybe, maybe Ann Lauer thinks that Steos can help that's the yeah care a little bit you know like if, if anything like ann lauer knows like because if if well like, i don't know because like this is how bad we've had it as sentence fans with management like i don't even know what different roles can do can can steos fire pierre or does that have to come from ann lauer yeah I that's think he's technically know. above I, he is above Pierre for sure. I just don't know is. if he has like the ability to fire him because I don't know. Because maybe yeah. maybe Ann Lauer's looking at Steve like you know okay well you can help Pierre out and you know like at this point like maybe I mean Steve could very much be in charge at this point and on like anything because like like you know everything we heard out of Toronto where like you know technically Shanahan was really the GM like he was the one kind of telling Dubas what he could and couldn't do right so I think if it's way easier to blame DJ at this point like. So yeah, I think if 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 anything, I think I think it's more likely that DJ's out first. Um, if Pierre, my logic, yeah, I'll give my logic so that you guys maybe frames your your answer different. My logic was that usually the coach is the first to go, so I think you'd be inclined to say DJ right away. But I think because the new owner came in and implemented a guy who honestly looks like he's just waiting to take Dorian's spot. Maybe he's mm-hmm. the one, you know, you, you just want to make that move to shake it up without necessarily firing the coach. Who knows? I don't know. Um, and the other thing, yeah, yeah like... It's a very unique about, like, situation, they have, really. Yeah, yeah, about if they have the power. I think at the end of the day, because it's such a big salary and firing them, you're still owed the salary. I think it'll go to Ann Lauer either way. Like, I think he'd get the final, like... Yeah. Know, I don't think they want him That's firing uh, Dorian if he's owed, like, six million or I don't know how much over the next couple of years type thing just out of the out of the blue so but yeah Maud, you can go ahead i didn't give you a chance i i definitely agree with uh with it being dj i would say dj going on his own is more likely than both of them going at once i think just because pierre does have at least a little bit of goodwill built up in terms of uh drafting certain players and us seeing them actually produce whereas dj's uh production so to speak is just losing games for the most part and uh all his goodwill is basically just like the players like him whereas i think in terms of the management sense you can at least point to certain things about the current roster that dorian has done a good job on despite the obvious blunders uh which do have him potentially on the hot seat but i feel like yeah basically dorian would just have a little bit more goodwill and i think it would be more likely for dj to get get uh kicked to the curb on his own first that's I great. think I think an important thing to bring up also is that this is the last year that uh, Pierre's under contract, and DJ mm-hmm. has a club option for next year. So it might be as easy as I, I don't know. Like they're both kind of on basically expiring contracts, so they're probably both easily fireable right now, um, compared to some other moves that other teams have made in the past. Where you got to 
uh, Columbus. Um, so I don't know. Not a whole lot of money tied up getting rid of either of them. So could go That's either true. way. I, I, mm-hmm. I do think that it's, yeah, I think, I think it's likely DJ if one of them is going to go. That's definitely yeah. fair. Yeah. I felt like that would be the answer, but I didn't know if maybe there was some other perspective. I know people have their own I like opinions it. of guys. Good question. So. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Yeah. I've had two really good debates so far. So, uh, Maude, do you want to go next since Charlie just ended up the end of the last segment? Sure, sure. So I have two um, overall team stats that I picked out for this. Um, so basically, uh, which is more sustainable between the Sens? And these uh, stats were pulled before yesterday's game, so they've probably changed slightly. Uh, but right. currently, before yesterday's game, they were... Uh, with the second least amount of shots allowed per game, which is considerably better than last season, uh, where they were they finished 18th in that stat. So either is that more sustainable, or is the improvement in faceoffs more sustainable, where they were sitting at fifth best faceoff percentage in the league, whereas last season they were 12th. So I would say if you think one of those would fall off, um, which which one is more likely to stay higher up? I guess to stay improved. I think face off personally. Mm-hmm. Just like I, I love RD and all the improvements there, but second is really high. Um, they're still second. I just like... checked to, okay. to be sure. And yeah, yeah. they're, they're yeah, second. Buffalo it's didn't New York. Very many shots. So. No, yeah, I think it actually improved their numbers a little bit. So it's New York, mm-hmm. Ottawa, Carolina, LA, Calgary. So some, some pretty good defensive teams. Um, there's a complete. Re- like when Ottawa you say New York, you're talking like... about the Isles or the Rangers? No, actually, the Rangers. I should have specified because you'd think the Islanders, but unfortunately, the Islanders are actually twenty um, fifth. So wow, oh, fraudulent Islanders. That's yeah, a tough I think one. I, I I think I'd go faceoffs because like you look at who we have at center, and like obviously Stutzla is not the best faceoff taker, but he's still playing center. That doesn't mean he's taking all the draws, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That means like you get Giroud or Kachuk taking faceoffs, who are both very strong faceoff takers. You have Kastelik on the fourth line, who's a strong faceoff taker. Uh, Josh Norris, um, I don't know what his numbers have looked like recently, but he's fairly competent there too. And like if Pinto comes back, he's also pretty solid. I don't know what Ridley Gregg's numbers have been, but I think you said they're fifth right now, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I'll I'll go faceoffs. Although it would make me much happier if that frozen stayed. Over the, for over sure, the I agree Absolutely. with that. I agree, face-offs for sure. Um, no one has faith two. in the defensive system, eh? To keep it e- up, e- even if they were tenth instead of second in shot suppression, I'd still go face-offs. <laughs> wow. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> like I just, I don't know. I don't think it's very sustainable. But this, this is a bad example, actually, because like, like, uh, like you said, the numbers are actually improved following that Sabres game. But like, all it takes is the one injury to Zub for the whole defense to get shifted around mm-hmm. and uh, the whole game I was thinking like they got they they can't do this because there's no cap space but this team so badly needs even if it's just someone on the third pair like a, a pure shutdown D because without Zub they don't have one um, just someone who can actually play like just just all out responsible defensive game um yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do not have faith in the shot suppression, and maybe it's because every time that they've held 
an opponent to like three, four shots in the first. They've been absolutely killed. And maybe that's just like the bad, the bad memories of those games, just like being a little bit too strong. I don't know. Um, but no, and, and yeah, um, just, just like Louis said, the team has a bunch of guys who are great face offs with face offs, wingers who are great with face offs. So I think, I don't know. May I'd like to spin it more, just that like, yeah, no, I'm actually really optimistic about the faceoffs. No, I just, I just don't think that the team is gonna keep up the uh, the shot suppression very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, a guy like Brandon Carlo would do wonders right now uh, in that bottle. Oh, four, but that would be perfect. Have, there's what no a pull. Like, Yes, like yes. But we don't have that kind of cap space to no. make room for that, unfortunately. But no, Josh, you're. Yeah. Uh, what were you gonna say? What do you think? I yeah, I'm gonna go the same way. Faceoffs more sustainable to stay up. And honestly, most of what you guys were saying was about like the defense can't hold that up. And I do agree that with that to some extent. But I think it's mostly about like I just think they have so many good faceoff men. And when you look at the guys who weren't good last year, specifically Timmy, I think he was like was he even forty percent on the draws last year. I'm not sure. He's at forty nine percent this year, which isn't even half, but. Wow. When he's Probably your number better. one center, yeah. When he's your number one center and he's improving by, you know, you say ten percent in terms of like thirty nine to forty nine, but you know he's improving by twenty five percent from a percentage standpoint. Um, that's definitely going to make a big change. And like you guys said, they have really good face off wingers, especially Giroud. And a lot of times they just go by handedness, so they can kind of play with that, and that gives them an advantage in almost every single draw. When you can just put the righty on his right side and the lefty on the right side like on their correct side, I should say, strong end. That definitely helps. And yeah, just they've played some some easier-ish teams too, like Washington, for example. And then in the last two, they've done well without Zub shot suppression, but a lot of that's because they were down by so much that the teams kind of let up on offense. So I don't, I don't know. I think they could end top 10 in shots against, but second is definitely, to me, not that sustainable. Mm-hmm. Good points, yeah. The only argument I think that there could be for them that sustaining shots against is they have done a really good job making like limiting medium and high danger chances. So if they keep pushing guys to the outside for shots, and these are just shot attempts that don't get on net, like I wonder where they rank in like shots that miss the like percentage of shots that don't make or don't hit the net that are shots on goal. I think oh, Louis has the stats, I, so let's see. I remember, yeah, I don't remember what they actually are. <laughs> so I'm wondering, I yeah, I could now. see them having a really good number of, you know, like a high percentage of shots that don't even hit the net just because of where the shots are coming from, but second is still a little bit too high. I wish they could sustain that. Yeah, yeah it's the pipe dream one. Yeah, that would be just simply awesome if that did happen, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully we can start, you know, finishing our chances first. That'd be great. But yeah, uh, yeah. Charlie, I guess you're up for your uh, your sense pick here. All right. So for my sense one, it's two very different things. So this could go a lot of different ways. Um, so the first one is um, the weirdly fantastic line of uh, Joseph Gregg and Tarasenko. Yeah. Um, they currently sit so incredibly far in second on the team as far as five on five ice time um just one of the few lines that like it's really just the top line and that line that really hasn't been moved around at all um right 
they're playing so, like at least 10 like 10 plus minutes of five on five a night um so the comparison is what's more likely that line stays together for the majority of the season because i don't know i it's such it is it is such a weird line it is i, I can it. absolutely I, see with one injury is all it takes for them to be jumping up and down whatever yeah exactly but a line or like a that which return. yeah pin to return or whatever but that's like no one had that line together in the preseason not one person it's so strange so what's more likely that line staying together or sanderson and chicken continuing to be so so good offensively and they both finish with 50 plus points hmm. so what do you think is more likely between that strange out of nowhere really let we'll call it, we'll call it what it is the second line or um sanderson and chicken both finishing 50 plus points on D. I mean, we could also just open to like any two defensemen having 50 plus points, but those are the two most likely candidates. Yeah. Well, okay. So my problem potentially with the, uh, with the Chikrin and Sanderson part is that that would require Chikrin to be healthy for pretty much the entire season. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how sustainable that is, but if we were to say any two defensemen, that's obviously more likely because then Shabbat could get in there. Um, my thing is, I like, and I will say, I'm going to take a tiny victory lap here and I know it's super early, but I, I think it was like mid to end of preseason when they had Greg and Tarasenko together. And I think I posted on Twitter or something with something with my comparison chart of those two together. And I think that's a great pair. I do think, and having Joseph on them is on there is awesome. Uh, so I think I'll go with the with that line just because well well that would require them not trading Joseph, right? I don't think that's, they will. Yeah, yeah. I, and I hope the fourth they line last night. You have to think he's the guy that they're yeah. thinking of moving. What I what yeah. I almost did was what's more sustainable, Tarasenko's hundred and nine point pace or Kubelik's zero, and I was like, that's boring. That's that's stupid. <laughs> so I switched it. <laughs> Zero point pace on the Sens, then I'd go Kubalik for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that point maybe gets traded any time now, but yeah. Um, hmm, I think just because it's so hard to get that many points for a defenseman, and especially two of them on the same team, because you only usually yeah. get one of them to get uh, enough power play time to do so, plus the yeah. injuries to Chikrin and Shabbat in like injury history wise. I'm gonna go with that line. Uh, but it's it is really close, and again, I don't even know how likely that is. But this is maybe more like wishful thinking because I I've loved that line. Because even then, if Pinto comes back, personally, what I do is Norris Pinto Batherson is the other line. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Because then you have an excellent top nine with those two in the top line. So that would uh, that would be pretty excellent. Um, I don't know what uh, what you guys think for this for this. Were we here. were we uh, framing it as will the that line remain as the second line in terms of ice time, or are we just framing it as will that trio stay together regardless of like if they become I, maybe I the say third the line stays together? Yeah, because yeah. I I would pick that then because like uh, like Louis was saying, I think uh, Pinto coming back put him with Norris and Batherson. That line might end up getting more ice time, especially if. Uh, the Greg line cools off a bit, but I do think that they'll keep that unit together uh, probably for as long as they can. Yeah. I agree. Drop I'm going to have to side the exact the same way again. And I think, especially while they still have Kubalik and Pinto's unsigned, 
it was an injury, like let's say the injury is not to that 21, 71, 91 line, I think you move mm-hmm. around the other lines before you mess with that line. Mm-hmm. So oh, like, sure. while I do think Joseph, specifically Joseph and Greg, have that ability to go up and down the lineup, they could literally play on any of the four lines, um, which is kind of an advantage, but not really when you want to keep them together as much as possible. So I just think, especially because, and I don't want to be a, I don't want to be negative here, but you mentioned Chikrin specifically. The odds of him playing necessarily the highest. Like I think he'd have yeah. to play seventy plus games, and odds are he might not be able to do that. Like you yeah, said, it could be any two. Agree on and Shabbat could get fifty being successful. Yeah, I agreed. Like, yeah, yeah. So like if you brought it to all three i think it gets closer but i feel like i still the line has just been so good like i don't even want to think like mention the thought of breaking that line up yeah me too it's I'm so weird because i didn't think it was going to be good at all i didn't i thought it was just a, like a random mishmash of players and i didn't oh, think sure, uh yeah. greg and joseph were going to have the playmaking ability to set up tarasenko but apparently they do apparently they can joseph's a it's really, really the speed too mm-hmm. and, yeah that's greg, the yeah, thing like, making too yeah, Greg's playmaking has been really good. And like Zucast the thing is they, <laughs> Yeah. Between both uh Joseph and Greg, you get enough checking and defensive value to really be able to make up for Tarasenko's complete lack thereof. Um and it I don't know, it's been it's been excellent, it's been better than I ever thought it could be. And uh yeah, I don't even want to think about breaking it up right now, which is why I think we're all going with uh with that option for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Hockey season is so close, and we're fired up about it, but there have been some other sports keeping us entertained while we wait. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away with an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gambling resources. I guess uh, it's my turn once again now uh for we've made it all the way around the horn so i'll go for my general nhl one here um and this one i was debating between a few options but this is what i landed on so um jack hughes is currently leading the league in points all right and so my debate here is jack hughes currently on pace to win the art ross versus nathan mckinnon currently on pace to lead the league in shots Hmm. Which one do we think is more sustainable? Oh, now I feel that like I gotta really interesting. I gotta look that at like is... the shot leaders from last year and see where he ranked. That's McKin- what I'm doing McKinnon's right now. shot rate is nuts. Like it's really good. just as just as just on his career the last few years, just as someone who has been obsessed with fantasy hockey for the last few seasons, like he's a shot machine. 
It's nuts. It's nuts. Like he he's gonna. Oh, it was second nuts last year, and he he was yeah. second after while missing eleven games. Yes. So that's a pretty big. If I sort by thousand minute time on ice and just do per sixty, I wonder. Although Matthews, like, also, yeah. my, like my original Pasternak putting up four hundred last year is so yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, Pasternak is such an outlier. Like it's it's such an outlier of a season that he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's way behind McKinnon right now. He's twelve behind for the for the current pace. Mm-hmm. The thing is, so if we're just looking at like per sixty, Pasternak was quite a bit ahead of McKinnon by like. 15.2 to 13.9, which is a pretty big gap considering the next couple are all above 13. But McKinnon just plays a lot of minutes. Like, I think he... Yeah. I haven't... I don't have it just sorted by forwards, but he's probably, like, second... Yeah, he's second in the league in forwards in time on ice. Uh, last year, sorry, David. So he just plays so much and shoots so much. As long as he stays healthy, then I think he could win... I mean, there's no shot title, but he could get the most shots. Um, but Jack Hughes is also really good. We haven't even it's on pace for almost 200 that. points. Jack Hughes right now. I thought he was on pace for 230. Is is he actually on pace for that he, many? Good yeah, luck. he is 3.14 in five games. It's basically three, which would be like 250. That's, He's on pace yeah, for 230 points. <laughs> and Mc, McDavid's, uh, McDavid's injured, right? So that kind of mm-hmm. like he was the I was biggest threat. And because yeah. McDavid's injured, I would assume Drysaddle's points will go down a bit. I don't know. Maybe he does better without him. And I'll have to check. That, I have no clue. But like, obviously the lines are going to change throughout the year. But now you have Timo Meyer as a possible linemate for the entire season for Jack Hughes, whereas he only had him post trade deadline. Even then, hasn't Meyer, Meyer been terrible? <laughs> yes, he hasn't yes, scored a goal. Let's yet. be honest. He'll bounce back. Like, it's Timo mm-hmm. Meyer, yeah. right? He, he, he had um, a really slow start. Yeah. I mean, granted, different team. Like, San Jose, it's, it's a yeah. different problem. But also slow yeah. start last year, worth worth considering. Then he lit it up in San Jose um, mm-hmm. before the trade. Like, having all of Toffoli, Meyer, Palat, Brat, Mercer at your disposal of potential wingers is, wow. Yeah. Also just so deep that Hughes is probably going to get some good ch- Chances against not necessarily because if you're facing New Jersey, you have to put your top pair against three different lines. So, yeah, there's also just that opportunity to get more points because he's playing. He's he actually his time on ice this year is higher than any forwards last year. Um, so it's like he's getting the opportunity against all throughout the uh, opposition's lineup. So, you know what? Yeah, Even I'm... though I think McKinnon could do it, I'm taking the Jack Hughes side. I think he'll win. He'll get the most points. Hell, yeah. It's not going to be Larkin and Brickett who are currently tied with him. So, hell no. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking Jack Hughes. I'm a, I'm a Jack Hughes truther. I think he is Good. almost honestly. Every time I watch him, I'm blown away even more. Like last night, he had four primary assists. Um, just setting up every goal. The entire team is running through him right now, and they have good depth, so I'm sure their depth players will pick it up, but I mean, uh, you listed all those wingers that uh, they have as options to play for, play with him, so when those guys pick it up, he, it'll just help him out even more. Um, so I'm going with Hughes on this one. I think he is amazing. I love Jack Hughes. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is going to annihilate the league in shots. Awesome. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if McKinnon has more points than Hughes. So Ooh, it'll be close, he, but I, I could, oh, I I could see Yo, that. McKinnon played 71 games last year and had 111. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Jack Hughes, no Landis Gogger, not like Landis Gogger, not like 
J- McKinnon, yeah. Rantanen, and like fucking three beer league guys. I take I take those <laughs> I take that lineup any day. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's funny because Lekkonen's essentially been playing with those like and I I've been testing like over the last over the summer or whatever, essentially making new quality of competition and teammate metrics. And because of his amount of time with Rantanen and McKinnon and when they're on D with them, Makar and like Devin Taves, Lekkonen absolutely destroys the entire league in terms of quality of teammates. It's not even close. Like he absolutely just runs away with it. But Okay, I'm a. I, I love that we got a we got an actual debate here in a two v one. I was uh, that was really good. Originally, that was really good. it's it's funny that you guys actually mentioned already the uh, the Debrinket and Larkin one because the original prompt was Jack Hughes Art Ross versus Debrinket. Um, oh God, Rocket! Oh, that's not and a discussion. I was like, I'm I sorry. I, it's not. I, I was for a second. I was like, no, that's not even close. And call I call us salty all you want as Sens fans. <laughs> yeah. That's not a discussion. It's not, it's not happening. No. no, exactly. All right. Uh, Someone Josh. clip this. It's gonna look really bad yeah. in April. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> Good God, I hope not. Oh, Josh, you know what? Up. What's your next my one? next one? I think the. I don't know how to describe how it's gonna make you guys like. It's gonna to be tough to answer because I don't really know that you can. One's a counting stat and one's a percentage stat. So, I'll just get okay. to it. So Ridley Gregg has five points in six games, which is a sixty-eight point pace. So that think of you know the odds of him maintaining a sixty-eight point pace for the season versus current expected goals for percentage of sixty-five point zero four percent on natural stat trick, which is first on the Sens wow. uh, by quite a bit. I mean, wow. Rourke Chartier is second at sixty-two, and then <laughs> yeah, it's Joseph at Rourke, sixty and Tarasenko at fifty-seven. So literally the entire line. That um, is why you do not break up that 65. line, ladies and gentlemen. Four percent absurd. Like it, it straight up just is. Even if yeah. they're playing against third lines, who knows? I don't know. But he's doing that on the back of a um, what is it here? One point five four expected goals against per sixty, which is unbelievable. But anyways, the question is: Is he more likely to maintain a sixty eight point pace for the season? Percent equals through the season. That is really tough because one thing, like I have two things here. Um, essentially. Greg's advanced stats last year were also awesome. Yeah, they were. There was only 20 games, but he had really, really good like possession driving numbers. Um, so that could be a sign that obviously he might not retain them, but it's a sign that they could be more sustainable than we think. Um, however, 65 is just crazy. All right, like if you look at the player who played, okay, so Derek Stepan and Stefan Nason, of course, <laughs> oh, good God, are the two guys who had the highest per natural stat trick score and venue adjusted at 5v5 expected goal share last year, uh, just barely above Patrice Bergeron. They were in the 66 to 64 range, those three. Um, do I think that Craig is that high? I don't think so. So I think I'm... I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to say most sustainable is Ridley Gregg getting 68 points on the season. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, when you first when you said that, when I was like, okay, I'm picking the other one, but no, it's like especially <laughs> since I said that that line's going to stay together, I need to assume that they're going to the keep other... doing well and just double down. Yeah, yeah. Other consideration before you guys give your answer is, I mean, if he ever gets hurt or anything, the expected goals won't change. Like it'll stay at 65 uh, yeah. percent or whatever. But the points obviously won't keep going up. Like, I didn't say points per game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I just said, rephrase it as points per game if you want, if you think that makes it more interesting, but that is definitely a consideration. I just think that is so ludicrous that I don't think there's a chance he stays at six. <laughs> By the way, he's after, not he's not in the strat, same stratosphere after, as Derek Stepan or Stefan Mason. Let's be honest. You are right. <laughs> after so really. yesterday, I tweeted that Greg was 11th in the NHL in primary assists per 60 since the start of last season. Um, yeah. After yesterday, he's now seventh. So he's there with wow. with the ranking: Dreisaitl, McDavid, Fiala, Kucherov, Hughes, McKinnon, Ridley, Greg, and then that's Matt insane Kuchar. company. <laughs> oh my god. Now, he has 350 minutes, and everyone else has at least 1,500 minutes, but still. (laughs) Wow. I think think I'm going to go with that I think both of these stats will drop in terms of the points pace and the expected goals percentage, but I kind of think that the expected goals percentage has a bit of a better chance to stay higher just because... Like, the line can stay together and still be playing very well and uh, carrying the play as well. But maybe their shooting percentage or their just their luck basically goes down a little bit. And then he's not getting as many uh, points as the puck isn't going in the net as much. But they can still keep driving play in the same way. So I kinda, I'm kind of more inclined to side with the expected goals. That's fair. Wow. Um... <laughs> If I could bet my life you... savings against both, I would. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah. I don't know, because, like, w- <sighs> they're both so silly, but I love them. Um, okay, Do you want something else to, like, that could help you choose one here. way? Sure, yeah. i give you another stat here. So, of as I was saying, the name of those top 10 in um, primary basis per 60, one of those guys in the top 10 are involved have pulled over 70% of the goals they've been on the ice for in the last two seasons. Ridley Gregg only has a point on 51% of the goals he's been on the ice for. However, and this will probably make you just more confused, um, he's also just been on the ice in general way more than his actual expected goals. So I guess that kind of nullifies it, but it, it is something to think about. Like, he's not even getting that many points on the goals he's on for because he has like two pro- secondary assists in his career. If he had a couple more of those, all of a sudden he's like above a point per game. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just if 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 we get to a really nightmare uh, scenario with Ascends where there's still no Pinto, um, it's entirely po- like listen, Kubelik yeah. needs to be off the second power play unit now. <laughs> so yep. honestly, Greg you put you put Greg on the second power play unit for the whole season and, catch up and without like Pinto fighting him for that spot at all this season. I don't want that to happen, but it's possible. And then, yeah, yeah, if 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 Greg ends up putting up like sixty eight points, that'll be the funniest thing. And then the Sens would have the greatest first round of drafting in the league's history. Um, and we'd have to pay him so much on the salary. Yeah, I was gonna oh say that God, is the yeah. Cassidy yeah. part. Funny, but, oh no! Um, like when Zach Smith had to play second line center for a season, and then all of a sudden his stats were so good. Yeah, I'm a twenty five goal scorer. Um, <laughs> yeah, now we have to trade you for Artem Anisimov because of your contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, yeah, no, I think. Oh, that's so, it's so tough, but I can see. And don't and and do not accuse me of being an optimist because the reason I can see Greg scoring sixty eight points is because everything around him is broken. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say because Kubalik can't play hockey at a top level, um, and Pinto isn't signed. I I, I think I, I like I like uh, is uh I, I like Greg at. 
<laughs> at 68 points more than the uh, absolutely good. absurd expected goals percent. But yeah, like like Louis said, it was really good last year. This isn't like oh, just six yeah. games. Like in his like 26 combined games, it's outstanding. So go ahead, Louis. I was just gonna say, um, I just pulled up Ridley Gregg's player card in my database, and his second most ideal line mate is Matsir Joseph. I am not making this up. So he's getting out of out of like the whole league. Wow. Out of the whole league. Wow. Right. It's the top four is Ryan McLeod, Matsir Joseph, Philip Heedle, and Alexander Kerfoot. So, I mean, maybe right. maybe That's there's crazy. a reason why that line's doing so well. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's let's move along, Maud. What's your what's your second and last? Uh, Last picture. Right. So I have a very obscure one and then a very obvious one. Uh, so the weirder one first, which requires a little bit of context, is uh, Logan O'Connor has three shorthanded goals in the first six games. And I'm so happy they... someone picked Logan O'Connor. Oh my god. <laughs> and I think he did it three games in a row too, which was amazing. Yes, he did. Um, so... A little more context is that the last person to have seven in a season was Jean-Gabriel Pajot for Ottawa. Uh, I think about like six or seven seasons ago, something like that. And the record for the most shorthanded goals uh, is, of course, Mario Lemieux and Gretzky are one and two with uh, 13 and 12. No one has hit 10 shorthanded goals in a season since the 1980s. But this guy, Logan O'Connor, has three in the first like two weeks of the season. So... Is there, like, the, before I compare it to the other stat, you got to think about, is there any possible way that he could hit double digits, I think? I think that's how I'm going to frame it. And then comparing it to the obvious one, which is uh, uh, if Alex Dabrinkit will hit 50 goals or not after the hot start. I was tempted to say 60 for Dabrinkit, just because, even though I think that's unrealistic, his pace is so good that I think that would make it a little tougher. But we can say 50 or 60. Yeah, the I, the Sens are the main character, and it's all about embarrassing us as a fan base. Uh, <laughs> Debrink it's hitting fifty. Oh God, I'm yeah. I'm gonna try and make it short and sweet. I'm gonna say Debrink hitting fifty because Logan O'Connor has never scored ten goals. That's a good point in a season. <laughs> I didn't ten, realize that. Like, he he has he has three goals this year, and all three are on the PK, like you said, which is actually really funny. Um. But you know what? Travis Konechny has two. So if your question was anyone hitting 10, maybe. Um, yeah, there's a few guys with two already. It's just, yeah, unless this is wrong on natural stat trick, I see three for O'Connor, two for Kimba. Still, like, there's two I guys. See, uh, on pace. Strangely enough, Sean Walker and Jacob Slavin also have two as defensemen, which is even oh, weirder, whoa. maybe. I'm, yeah, yeah, I only have it as forwards because of a mm-hmm. previous search. Yeah, interesting. Okay. I mean, so I lots of shorthanded goals being one scored. Of yeah. yeah, that's true. There's definitely more like emphasis on the offense on the power. A lot of shorthanded chances. So I guess just the philosophy could lead to a ten goal PK score at some point. But you mm-hmm. know what, it he's just on such a hot start. I bet you he gets to like fifteen goals before he cools down or something too. And at that point, it's just easier to hit forty. So I'm gonna or fifty. Sorry. So I'll go with that. Yeah, because he yeah. has to slow down at some point. But the but the yeah. cushion of goals that he already has is like ridiculous. Exactly, like, it's nine goals already. I think in in seven games. Mm-hmm. So, oh god. 
Jeez, yeah, I I think I'm gonna go to Brinkett as well, just because I think I'm on daily faceoff right now, and I think Logan and Connor may have actually been taken off their penalty kill units. Why would Colorado. they do that? I what don't know. Hell? Right the... now, they have Why? Frederick Olofsson and Andre Cogliano on their first unit, and then McKinnon Lekkinen on their second unit. That's messed so. up. How, how are you gonna take them off after that? They they ruined I... my my question. Oh my god. Oh my uh, god. But yeah. Just so, a quick aside, but not to like yeah. throw this off. I want to see Cogliano and Joseph on a PK together. Ooh. Just oh, everyone yeah. trying to catch up. Oh, that'd be so fun. <laughs> Throwing Carl Haglin on there and some Darren Helm. Just Ooh. go max speed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A PK Absolutely. with three forwards. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> oh, I thought like, and, and I know we've mentioned Slavin already, but like that's like, I don't know if you guys have watched much Carolina Hurricanes penalty kill, but over the last year, like, that's been the definition of a power kill. Like, they, there was a, a period of time where I think with Teravine and Aho, Slavin and Pesci, or whatever their combo before was, they were actually out, maybe not outscoring, but close to outscoring and maybe even outchancing opposing teams when shorthanded, which is just... When uh, I had... I had Travis Yost on a couple times in game over last year, and one of the games was against Carolina. He brought up how Carolina's PK was allowing chances at the same rate as most teams at five on five. Yeah, they're, they're crazy. It was stupid. I think I, I don't know if it was just general chances or high danger chances or what, but it was stupid, whatever it was. Like To be fair, Carolina's power play took off, but so it kind of balances out. <laughs> yeah, no, their PK, I remember just it was just frustrating yeah, when yeah. the Suns were playing them, how annoying it was to watch them have to try and score off yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Charlie, you're uh you're up. You got the you got the last debate here. What are your choices? Yeah. All right. So I'm doing the opposite of a victory lap here. I'm just gonna let everyone know how stupid I am. But uh my Stanley oh, Cup God. picked last year for the final was uh was Edmonton and Carolina. And those two teams currently sit dead last. They have the worst team save percentage in the NHL. Which one Ooh. is more sustainable as far as being a horrible tandem save percentage? Edmonton, 852, Carolina, 824. So which one finishes lower? Yeah. Yeah. Which one is most sustainable at lower? Yeah. Yeah. So Edmonton, uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me pull up the team real quick. Um, because Carolina has had three goalies. That's yeah, the thing. That's what I think. A few games. Is Carolina the edge? They can just mm-hmm. kind of roll the two of the yeah. three hot. Like despite the Chekhov the... has a, had a bad start, but he can yeah, jump into despite, the top two. Despite, um, despite only playing seven games, they've been so bad that all three goalies for the Hurricanes have three appearances <laughs> this season. <laughs> Horrible. Wow. So yeah, uh, so the Hurricanes. So far, they got, yeah, three appearances. Um, minutes are very close, too. Freddie Anderson has 130. Antti Ranta has 136. And Kachetkov has 153. Uh, so very even playing time among the three goalies. Um, yeah, Anderson, 855, save percentage. Kachetkov, 836. Ranta, 818. And then in Edmonton, it's much simpler. Oh just God. Campbell and Skinner. Campbell with an 878. Skinner with an 814. Which team is going to have the worst goaltending by the end of the season? I'm saying Edmonton just because, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically because Jack Campbell, but also because Carolina has at least has the third option in Kachetkov who has potential. Whereas in Edmonton, uh, if Campbell is so bad, 
as he was last year, you don't really have anyone to switch him out for. They're not going to be like, I don't even know who's on their AHL team for goalies. And I follow the Oilers decently close. I don't think they really have anyone ready that they could potentially use as a backup instead. Like I expect Stuart Skinner to pick it up a little bit, but not as much faith in Campbell. Uh, so I think Edmonton's is more sustainably uh, bad. Carolina also just has the defense. To mm-hmm. sort of, you can have yeah. the, the same goalie yeah. on both teams, and the goalie on Carolina will have a better save percentage. So I just think, like, what are the odds that Carolina's defense, combined with any combo of those two out of three goalies, sustains a 82 or 825 or 824? Obviously, Edmonton's like still. Like, I just think one of them will mm-hmm. come up more, and it'll be Carolina's. I could still see Edmonton finishing bottom of the league in save percentage, or like bottom five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, but exactly as as you both said, like I think Carolina's defense is going to make it such that they allow less high danger chances, leading to a higher save percentage. And yeah, like I still, I'm still a believer in Skinner. Like I, he had some really good like technical numbers last year, um, in what I track. But yeah, the fact that they have three goalies and they're it's not like they're like bad. Like Anderson, Ranta, and Kochetkov, I think we could argue were all like around at least average last season at, at minimum so i could totally see them all come back up um so yeah i'll, I'll also go carolina i will uh, say carolina I, has a higher expected goals against per 60 than edmonton so far this year really that's surprising wow. carolina's got a 48 percent and edmonton's got a 53 percent expected goals wow well, like percentage which that's yeah, shocking actually it's kind of crazy but I'm still going. I'm still going Carolina. But, <laughs> Not yeah. a big enough difference for me to. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm with you. Yeah, like like you said, it, it can. It does feel like I'm glad that 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 you brought it up because it felt like a cop up to be like Edmonton's goaltending is going to be worse because Carolina has the defense. Like my answer had nothing to do with the goaltenders involved, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, the Carolina's defense should figure it out again because they're unbelievable or should be unbelievable anyway. Yeah, agree. Yeah. So uh, I think that'll that'll do it. I guess we we had just enough time to do all of our picks, which was awesome. Uh, Charlie Mudd, thank you both so much for coming on. Uh, is there anything you, you would like to uh, plug before the episode ends? Uh, I guess just game over, right? Yeah, just yeah. live after every Sens game. Either either one of us, and sometimes both of us. Yeah, head on over to the SDPN YouTube channel, and uh, you can watch us. And there's there's a show for every Canadian market. So. If you're a fan of any Canadian team, there's going to be a live show on SDPN following every single game of your favorite Canadian team this season. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I can vouch. I've been on in the past. It's always a blast, whether to tune in or come in. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you'll be back on soon. We can plug yeah. your episode uh, November next. 2nd. Yeah, I was say next Thursday. So, yeah, so that's against the Kings, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll um, be a fun one. Yeah, cannot wait for that. Thank you. Thank you both again so much for coming yes, on. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was a blast from all of us here at the Zoocast. We'll see you all again very, very soon. Take care, everybody. Peace.